Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. A couple weeks ago, uh, Rich and Daphne Walker were with us, and um, ministering and had a great time with them. We were so grateful for their uh, uh, for their friendship, and uh, we the first the very first people we met when we moved to Tulsa actually that afternoon unloading our, our U-Haul. They were the very first people that we met. So, uh, well, Rich was Daphne uh, wasn't in the picture yet, but Rich was, and so been dear friends over the years. And, and I just would say thank you on their behalf, you know, uh, uh, for supporting them and and all that the church has done for them, what you guys have done for them. It means a lot to them, and so on their behalf, I'd say thank you. Uh, but when Rich was here, uh, it was a great service, great two services, Sunday morning and Sunday night. And he had a set of phrase, and I wish I could say it the way he said it with the same uh, tone in his voice, the same rich mannerisms. Uh, but he said that God lives in you. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God lives in you. Whew. You know, th- those simple words, four words, have just been stirring in my heart ever since he was here. And this isn't just a good idea or a good thought or just a positive thing to, to say. The reality is, if you're in Christ, God lives in you. Go with me to 1 Corinthians, the, uh, the third chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Like I said, I believe I've heard from the Lord this morning on some things to, uh, to talk about and some things to discuss, and I believe they'll be a help to us. And uh, we want all that God has for us this morning. Amen? Praise God. First Corinthians chapter three, the 16th verse says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? I love the amplified translation of that scripture, that verse that says, do you not discern and understand? So there's a part of understanding. And then there's also a part of recognizing his abiding presence in you. Don't do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually. What an awesome truth that is to know that God, as a believer, as a son or daughter of God, that God himself has made his permanent residence in us. He lives in us. He's moved in on the inside of us. That ought to make us happy. Amen. That ought to bring joy to our hearts. It is a, it is a fact. It's not something that, that is up for debate. If you've accepted Christ, God has made his permanent dwelling in you. And you hello, I tapped the mute button. That's not based upon how we feel. That's not based on anything else. The scripture says that he has made his permanent dwelling in us. Second Corinthians chapter six says that I'll be their God. Speaking of uh, what was spoken by the prophet Ezekiel said, I'll be their God. I'll dwell amongst them and I will be in them. He dwells in you this morning. You know, there's something different about a believer in the rest of the world. Someone who knows Christ and someone who doesn't know Christ. There's a major difference in us. You know, there's a difference between you and those that you come into contact with that don't know Christ. The difference is not just your sweet, smiling personality, which that can be good too, but the difference is the fact that God is now residing on the inside of you. And I tell you what, you know, it's something that we should be aware of, something that we should uh, 
uh, hold very true and hold very important to us. But, you know, more than just God living in us, it goes a little bit deeper than that. Go over to John, the 15th chapter. It's more than just God living in us, which is true. There, there is a greater truth in this, a deeper truth in this. And these are things that we have, uh, we've been taught very well. You know, I was thinking this morning, I was getting ready. Thank God to have been raised and be a part of a church where we've been taught so very well. And, uh, you know, and these are things that we know, but I just want to remind you some things this morning. In John 15, this is verses 1 through 8. He says, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. I am grateful for the fact that God is still working on me, still pruning me. Amen. He sees the potential for more growth in me, and he sees the potential for more growth in you. Amen. It says that uh, every branch that, he, that bears, he prunes, and it may bear fruit. Verse 3, you are already be cl- clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the bear, branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you, will, what you desire, and it shall be done for you by my Father. Uh, by, my, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So we know that God lives in us, but it says here that he's the vine and we are the branches. You know, one thing about a vine and branches, they're not just connected. They are the life that's in one is the life that's in another. And yes, God lives in us, but it's not just that he resides on the inside of us. It's more than just him taking and dwelling in us that he's moved into our lives. The very life of God is now the very life that we know on the inside. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Second Peter chapter one, you can turn there, second Peter chapter one, and this will be verses two through four. Second Peter one, two through four says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our, and of Jesus, our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, a lot of times people read that scripture and see all things that pertain to life, they think about this kind of life here. If you look it up, that word life there is actually the Greek word zoe, which means the life of God. It says, so we'll read it in terms of that. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, and of Jesus, our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to the life and nature of God. That's a mouthful. I said, that's a mouthful. When I read these scriptures, you know, these are things that are not future tense. These are things that are present tense. That the moment a person receives Christ, the moment a person is born again, this becomes reality for that individual. He says that his, his divine power has, past tense, given to us all things that pertain to life, the life and nature of God and godliness, It goes on to say, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding 
and precious, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you might be what? Partakers of the divine nature. The Amplified says sharers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So yes, God lives in us, but more than that, him just living in us, we become partakers of the very life and nature of God. That is revolutionary. That is an amazing fact. That is an amazing truth. That is something that makes us so different. Yes, God lives in us, but more than just that, we now become partakers, sharers of the very life that God himself has. God living in us is one thing. God being in us and us being in him and the very life that he enjoys, that he knows now resides in us. That's who we are. That is an amazing fact. That it is an amazing reality. It's an amazing truth. Amen. And it's something that we need further revelation on, something we need further insight on. We have to be able to see these things correctly to be able to understand who we are and our position and what God has called us to do. Every single person here, if you're born again, you have the life and nature of God. I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. The former is gone. The former part of you is gone. The real you, the spirit on the inside, the real you, the former is gone. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. All things are new. And then verse 18, the first part says, and now all things are of God. An amazing truth. And in the new birth, a lot of times people think about the new birth and they just, they just value it or put a value or recognition on what they see on the outside. You know, on the outside, we don't see a lot of change on the outside. We have to do something about the outside. We've got to renew our mind with the word of God. We've got to do something with our bodies. We've got to do something there. But on the inside, the real person, the real you is recreated brand new. The old person is gone, no longer exists completely done away with, and now there's a new person there, and that person is not just the new you, it's the new you, which is all God. The new you is made up of the life and nature of God. I'm not saying you are him. Obviously, we don't want to get in that ditch. We're not saying we are him. He's God, but he's chosen to become part of us and to live in us in his very nature to be what fills who we really are. It's the life and nature of God. It's an amazing truth. It's an amazing reality. And it's something that we've got to be strong in. It's something that, that it's important that we keep it in front of us because the natural world wants to continually be telling us who we are and what we have and what we don't have, what our limitations are, what our possibilities are. And it's all based on what we can see. It's all based on how we feel. But how I many you know we're not limited by what we see or how we feel? We're not limited by that. Why? Because we're not natural. We're not even, we're not, we're not even the people that we once were. We're now new creatures in Christ And God lives in us and his nature fills us. It's an amazing and amazing truth. It's an amazing reality. But going back to verse 5, he said, or in John 15, in in the the fifth verse, he says, I am the vine. Actually, we'll look at the fourth verse. He said, uh, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The Amplified said, dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. 
Just as no one can bear fruit of itself without abiding and being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear and bear fruit unless you abide in me. The Weymouth says, continue in me and let me continue in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, that is, if it does not continue in the vine, so neither, uh, so neither can you if you do not continue in me. That word, uh, uh, um, let me find my place here again. A page turned. There we go. Uh, it says here that word abide means to remain, to continue, and to be present. And so we know that when we're born again, that we become new. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus, that God lives in us. We become partakers of the nature of God. But Jesus said here in the scriptures that we have to abide. We've got to maintain. We've got to stay where we are. And that reality, that knowledge, that truth, that understanding of who we've been made in Christ, we've got to abide in that truth. We've got to remain in that truth. We've got to continue in that way of thinking. You know, there's a lot of things right now that are trying to uh, abide in us. There's a lot of things that are trying to abide in in people. There's a lot of things that are trying to take root in us. There are a lot of things that are trying to, to, to make their home in us. And we've got to know what really lives in us. We've got to be confident in who we are. We've got to be confident in what's happened on the inside of us in the new birth. And we've got to make a decision to continue in those things and to live out of that reality. Because like I said, there are many things that are trying to abide in us. Do you all know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of things that are trying to get our attention. I think one of the largest things right now is there's a spirit of fear that's trying to gain root in, in the lives of people around the world. And it's not just an America thing. It's all around the world. Fear is trying to abide in the hearts of men. And if you haven't noticed it, well, pay attention. And, and I would dare say that there's probably not a person here that's not been tempted to, to allow fear to get into their life. But as sons and daughters of God, there's no place for fear in us. There's no, there's no room. Why? God does not share territory, does not share ground, does not share space with fear. He doesn't do it. The scripture in John said to abide in me and I will dwell, dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Continue in me and let me continue in me, or continue in you. It's such an important thing that we remember that God is living in us. The life and nature of God is living in us. And the spirit of fear cannot have access to our life if we allow it. If, unless we allow it. Like I said, fear is something that is trying to grip people. And fear is something that's trying to, to, to take over people's lives. We have to resist that. We've got to stand true and stand firm in who we are. The reality is, as sons and daughters of God, as ones where God dwells in us, as carriers and partakers of the divine nature of God, we have authority in this life. You have authority in this life. I'm going to be more specific. Not just your pastors, not just the leaders, not just those you look up to, but as a newborn believer in Christ, even if you've only been born again for five minutes, you have authority in life. Why? Because God lives in you and his nature dwells in you. And if you'll abide in that, you won't give room to anything else. We've been given authority in this life. You know, I, I look around and, and I'm sure like many of you, you know, you think, well, man, it seems like the world has lost its mind in the last few months and a couple years. Anybody else ever had those thoughts before? You know, I think back, you know, uh, this next year, 2022 will be my 30th, 
high school reunion. And when I say that, I can almost feel dust coming out of my mouth. You know what I mean? I mean, 30-year high school reunion, it's hard to even imagine. But I think of the changes that have taken place in the last 30 years. Now, just bear with me. When I'm, not, I'm not glorifying the devil, but I want to acknowledge where, what we see, what's going on around us. When you look around, a lot of things have changed. And even the last two or three years, so many things have transpired. So many things have taken place. And there is, a, there is this uh, uh, spirit of fear that is driving things, that is pushing things, that is causing people to make decisions. And, and something that, that, I, that I've said before, and we've heard others say, that fear is, the, is faith in the wrong God. Fear is faith in the wrong God. Whereas faith in God will, will achieve and will let us lay hold of the promises of God. Fear causes us to yield to the wishes of the enemy. It's the faith in the wrong God, the God of this world, the little G. It's, it's, the, it's, it's faith in the wrong God. Fear is the faith in the wrong God. And so fear is driving a lot of things. And it's because we've seen a lot of changes. And there's the fear of what might come. When you see change and things that, that aren't, uh, uh, aren't good. And we could go into more detail about that about the things that are going on. And there are, there, like I said, there are many things. How many of there are spiritual forces at work in our country and around the world that are being driven by demonic forces that are not of God? And the thing that they're using, the thing that these spirits are using is, is partly it's deception. But how many know de- deception, fear is a part of deception? Fear and deception go hand in hand because if, you, if for a believer to live in fear, you've got to be deceived. For a believer to walk in fear, to live in fear, to be anxious. Remember Paul said to be anxious for nothing? He said, he said to be anxious for nothing. Now, a lot of times we think, yeah, but you know, that was back then. This is now. The day that Paul wrote that, that that was written, there was a lot of stuff going on during that time as well. In many ways, you could say it was a lot like the things that were happening now. The environment, the things that were happening were very similar uh, to the things that we see today. And uh, Paul said, he said, be, ancient for, be anxious for nothing. That means be fearful for nothing. And if you're going to be in fear, you, if you're allowing fear, if we allow fear in our lives, then we're automatically, we're choosing to be deceived. Because as sons and daughters of God, the truth is, if we're in Christ, God lives in us. And if we're in Christ, that the same nature, he's the vine, we're the branch, and the life that runs through him, the nature of him, is living us. We've been partakers of the divine nature, not just any old divine nature, but the divine nature. We've become partakers of that. And so, like I said, there are a lot of spiritual forces that are at work in the world, and, and their deception is happening. There's, you know, second... Uh, uh, second um, Thessalonians, 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 you know, it says that people will be given over to a depraved mind. There are a lot of things happening in, in mindsets that just don't make sense. A lot of things are going on and that just don't make sense. And, and if we're not careful, we can look at this and we can, we, can, we can do the very opposite of what Jesus said. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Can I just say, from a place of troubledness, you cannot be in faith. From a place of fear, you cannot walk in victory. Because our victory, our victory, our life is not in those things. It's founded in the truth of God's word and who we are in Christ. And we've got to make sure that we are mindful of the position God has placed us in. 
Go to Matthew 28. Matthew, the 28th chapter. And I'm not, just to be clear, I'm not just talking about political things and just socially, just, just the, the, the state of, of, of people and the state of things where, where they are and uh, what's going on. If we're not careful, it can be troubling. But remember, God lives in us. He's li- his nature is in us. We become partakers of the life and nature of God. In Matthew 28, the 18th verse, it said, Jesus came and said to them, saying, All authority has been given to me on, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. This morning, I want to remind you that we are not in this alone. We are not in a world that is without hope. We are not in a place of despair. We are not in a place of fretfulness. You say, well, Pastor Greg, this is happening here, this is that. We've got to look at everything according to the light of God's word and what his word says so that we can do what? We can take our place as the carriers of the life and nature of God and exercise this very thing, the authority that God has given us. Jesus said, after he was, wrote, he, was, he, he was crucified, died, buried, was raised from the dead, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore. As sons and daughters of God, we've been given the charge and the command to go therefore and to exercise the authority that Jesus has won. We can do it because he lives in us. We can do it because he won that authority, but his nature is on the inside of us. I want to remind you, Matthew chapter 5, we are the salt and we are the light of the earth. Salt gives flavor and it preserves and light points the way. That is who you and I are. We are not the, the, the retreating. What is one thing? Salt is active. Salt does something. Light is active. It does something. What does light do? Light drives out darkness. Darkness doesn't drive out light, right? The only time darkness can exist is when, is when there's an absence of light. Darkness doesn't exist any, at any other point unless you remove light. Why? Because light has the power. Light has the authority. Light has the control. And we are here and all authority has been, has been given him and he has delegated that to you and me because we are carriers of the life and nature of God. There is no reason to be afraid. There is no reason to be in fear. There is no reason to do it. And in fact, there is every reason not to. I know we know this, but you know, much of the church doesn't know this. But as those who do, we've got to make sure that we stand our ground and not allow God needs our help. So God needs our help. Yes, we are partners, laborers together with Christ. The head cannot do anything without the body. Why? Because he's the vine, we're the branches, we are united with him, and he cannot function outside of our participation. And we can't, and he won't participate and we, with that with someone who is walking in a different life, in a different nature, a different understanding than he is. Amen. We must approach what's happening through a position of authority. I'm so very grateful we've been taught these things over the years. And I, and I will say this. If you've not read Brother Hagin's book, the, the Believer's Authority, if you've not read it in a while, this is the legacy edition, a little bit bigger than the normal edition. But if you've not read it, you need to get this thing out and dust it off. 
You know, one of the things that uh, uh, the Lord had said to um, Brother Hagin's mom before he was born, that he would, the child would be born, that he would be, a, he would be the, he'd be a forerunner to the second coming of Christ. And, uh, you know, the things that, that Brother Hagin taught us and many things that he, he taught, and I'm very grateful for, for that heritage of faith. My dad is my spiritual father. This is where I was raised. My dad is my spiritual He's my natural father. He's my spiritual father. But Brother Hagin would be my spiritual grandfather. And the things that my dad learned, he learned because of the ministry, the teaching and ministry of, uh, of, of Kenneth Hagin. And we're not, we're not magnifying an individual. We're not lifting up an individual. But at the same point, we want to recognize when God's doing something in somebody that we want to value those things and, and, and honor the person, yes. How many know your honor for a person determines what you receive from that person? How you honor somebody and whether you honor them or dishonor them really has a direct impact on what you're able to receive from them. Direct impact. And so we want to make sure we honor what he did and honor his life and honor the things he did. But, but more importantly, honor the truth, the things that he ministered, the things that he taught us. And one of the things that he championed was the, 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 the authority that God has given every single believer. You know, for all of these years, we've, we've lived in a time where, you know, obviously the enemy's always been at work. And there's always been moves and things of the, of the enemy. And, and like I said, during Paul's time and in the early church, you know, the, the, the enemy was moving and the... And the you know, he's been trying to stop this gospel message and, and the life of God, the power of God. He's been trying to, to stop it for generations. I've got good news for you. He's not been successful yet, and he'll never be successful. No matter what it looks like, he didn't succeed then. He's not going to succeed now. Thank God we have the truth. Thank God we know the beginning from the end. Hallelujah. Thank God we know what belongs to us, and we know what this says, Right? I tell you what, every bit of this will be accomplished. Every bit of this is being and will be finished completely. We'll see it. We'll see it carried out. Now, it's, it's already done in the realm of eternity, but we'll walk it out. We'll see these things. But, you know, there's always been times that enemy's been, enemy's been moving, but there is a worldwide effort to, to move in a direction that is ungodly. You can see things are being set up for the return of the Lord and for the enemy, for the, for the Antichrist and for the things we see in the book of Revelations. We can see these things being set up. And they said, yeah, but they've all, they, you know, this has been said before and, 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 we've, and other generations have said the same thing. And true, this may, we may not be right on the end of things, but I personally believe we are. I never want to get where I fall into the place where I'm, I'm one of those that, that Paul talked about, that those who said, yeah, but this is the way it's been for generations and where is the, the coming of the Lord. I never want to be one of those people who starts doubting that Jesus is coming back. I always want to stay in a place where I'm like, this is it. This is, that, that's not paranoia. That's me being excited. My, my Savior is on the, on the horizon, right? And so I'm excited about it, but you can also tell on the inside that things are happening. You can sense that things are going on. And so during all of these years, you know, Brother Hagin first started his ministry back in many, many, many years ago. I forget the 30s, 40s, 50s. And, and uh, he began to teach on these things. And, and so we've had this blessed opportunity to learn to use our authority in our own personal lives. Use your authority over your body. Use your authority over your finances. Use your authority over this, over that. And it's been a great opportunity. It's been a great privilege to be able to do it. But we have to also understand what it's been. It's been a training ground for us to move beyond just using our authority for ourselves and getting to the place where we're able to fully partner with the Spirit of God 
and with the plan of God to use our authority to see the plan and will of God to be accomplished, to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It won't just happen because Jesus said to pray for it. Yes, we're to pray for it, but it's going to happen because of our prayers. We'll talk about that, our prayers, but also that we're using our God-given authority in these things. I want to encourage you this morning. You have authority. Use your authority. I'm going to say it again. You have authority. All authority, Jesus said, has been given to me in heaven and in earth Go, therefore. Everybody say, go, therefore. That means we move out from where we are and move into something else. We start taking ground, right? Using that authority. Go over to Matthew chapter 18. You're in John. Go over to Matthew, the 18th chapter. These are verses that the Lord has continually, here recently, in in the last months and, and while, has been continually bringing to my attention and like I said, I've heard, I believe I heard from the Lord this morning on these things. He wants to bring them to our attention again this morning. Matthew 28, the 18th verse. And Jesus, actually, no, I'm sorry. What did I say? Ma- Matthew. Yeah, I did. Matthew chapter 18. I was right the first time. Matthew 18, verse 18. This is a problem when you hit your iPad and your, and your uh, notes scroll to somewhere else. And you look down, you're in a different spot, so... Matthew chapter 18, yeah, the 18th verse, it says, Assuredly, I say to you. Now, notice the, the, the uh, uh, absolute certainty that Jesus is speaking. So we've got to take a step back and look at these things and not just read them as verses we've, we've seen. This is the master speaking. This is the word made flesh. This is the one through whom the whole worlds were created, through him and by him. This is Jesus, the king of kings, Right? He was speaking. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, he speak, and he's still speaking to us today. He said, Assuredly, I speak to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What a powerful statement. What a powerful promise. What a powerful declaration of our authority these words were. What a powerful thing this was. He didn't say whatever things when, it, when you feel good, whatever things when it looks good, whatever things when it feels good. He said, no, assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth, uh, agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. He goes on to say, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. We have the power, we have the right, and we have the responsibility to bind the work of the enemy and to bind the, the forces of darkness that are trying to move. We have the right, we have the responsibility to do that. There is a place in the spirit that these things must be taken care of. You do realize the Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principality, powers, mights, and dominion. People are not our problem. And I've said this before a lot in the last several months. People aren't our issue. There are spiritual forces that are driving things, and we must take our position of authority in the spirit if we're going to see victory, the victory that God has for us. 
It is such an important thing that we do this. It's such an important thing that we, that we see this, that we walk these things out. We have to learn. We have to make sure that we are keeping our, our, our minds, keeping our hearts uh, in line with the Word of God. It is 1157. How did that happen? I thought for sure we'll just do this this morning that had something else for tonight. Listen, your authority is something that nobody else can use for you. One of the things that the Lord has been dealing with me about and talking to me about, and I'm, I'm sure he's been talking to many of you about it as well, is that this is our time. This is our, this is our opportunity to rise and be the sons of God that he has called us and made us to be. Like I said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against those things, but spiritual forces that are there. You don't deal with spiritual forces by dealing with them in the natural. Now, there is a natural side to the things we see that are going on. And every person has got a right and a responsibility to speak up on those things and to exercise our rights and freedoms. I am all for that. And we should do that. You do know we should do that. But as sons and daughters of God, we also, and more importantly, not, and I'm not diminishing the other, we must take our stand in the realm of the Spirit and take authority over these things that are trying to happen. I'll forget, if you, if you read the book, I Believe in Visions, Brother Hagin was talking about one of the visions he had, and he was praying in this spirit. He saw this spirit come up out of the, out of the Atlantic Ocean and, and start to move over the United States. Who remembers that, 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 that vision he had? And to be quite honest with you, in prayer, I've seen some similar type things along that nature, things where you can see what the enemy is trying to do. And how many know that, that, that a, a, a natural response is not going to cause that to be at bay? A natural response cannot do that. You can't naturally cause people to not yield to something that they choose to yield to. You know, the Bible talks about the God of this world has people's eyes blinded. He said, he said, the God of this world, he has their blind, their eyes, and so that they don't see the truth of the gospel. There, that is not a natural blindness. That's a spiritual blindness that comes over people. And if a person isn't in Christ, if they're not in union with Christ, you know, uh, they have no right to, to ask for or believe for themselves to see things clearly. Why? They're in the wrong kingdom. They're under the wrong lordship. But we do have the right and we do have the responsibility to be salt and light. To show the truth, to point the truth, and to preserve what's right. And we also have the right and responsibility to take authority over these things that are happening. Like I said, we've learned this. And we, we've seen these things. We've, we've, uh, 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 the Lord has shown us the truth of our authority. It's time that we walk in it. It's time that we walk in these things and begin to open our mouths. We'll talk maybe tonight. We'll talk more about, about the things we protecting our minds making sure that we're watching over our thoughts because we have to think right. I said we have to think right. But then also that we're watching over our words. Can I just, I'll just, if you, please come back tonight, but I'll just say this. If your words are against, if your words are fear-based and not faith-based, you will cause, you, you will limit your authority. You'll cause your authority to have no power. We, 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 and, and I've been there like everybody else. It's easy to start saying, you know, hey, what is this and what's that? And, and it's one thing to discuss things amongst friends and discuss things as family, you know, so we're aware of what's happening. That's one thing. 
But to get into the place where we're glorifying and magnifying the wrong, we have to be careful with those words. We have to make sure that we are speaking words of life over, over, our, over our, our nation and the world. And we've also got to take our place in the realm of prayer as well. Something, uh, man, I wish I had more time this morning. We started talking off about the fact that God lives in us and that we have the life and nature of God. We've got to become more aware of that on the inside of us. We've, we've got that consciousness of the life of God grow in us. This is something Brother Hagen said in his Developing the Human Spirit series. He says, the Holy Spirit communicates with your spirit through the word and unveils these truths or these realities to you and it will make a master of you. Remember, we have authority. These truths, God will, through his word, the spirit of God will reveal these things to us and will make a master of you. Most, meditate, most men do not meditate in the spirit. They live in the realm of the flesh more so. They're more body conscious. But you can develop your spirit life until, you're, until you dominate circumstances, until you're more conscious of spiritual things than, the, than you are of the natural, until more, until more conscious of the spirit than your mind, uh, more conscious of the spirit than your mind, until your own spirit and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the Father of God, and the truth that he unveils will be more real to you than the automobile that, that you drive in. Then the wife that lies neck beside you in bed, but you won't, this won't, you won't get there overnight, but your spirit becomes partakers of the divine nature, the nature of God. Being more spirit conscious and approaching life from the position as sons and daughters of God, carriers of the life and nature of God, those who carry the authority of God, becoming more aware of this will cause us to be able to flow and to function with God in such a way that we become masters over situations. We become masters over the things that the enemy is trying to do. This is our job. I said, this is our job. This is what the Lord has called us to do. I've got good news for you this morning. You're up to the task. You're up to the task to do this. You're up to the task. And it's not just a feel-good message. You're up to the task. If you get in the game, you're up to the task. If you participate, if you, if you run with the truth that we have, the things that we've been taught, we know what to do. It's time we take our place and we take our authority. Amen? I want you to stand with me. It's 12.04. We have to stop. I want you to stand with me this morning. Like I said, the, this scripture, whatever things you bind on earth, whatever things you loose on earth, he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We've been given this responsibility. Do you know God is waiting for you and I? And I know many have been doing it. I know many of you have been doing it. Many of you have been taking authority of these things. We need to continue. Remember, he who abides in me, that is to continue to remain in this reality of who we are, Christ living in us, God living in us, the, the partakers of the life and nature of God, which includes his authority. He said to abide in him, to continue, to remain. I know many of us have been doing this. Many of us have been taking authority over those things, and, and we need to continue to do so. We need to make sure we continue to do that. But if you've not been taking your place, get involved with what God is doing. Get involved with, with, with declaring the truth of God's word. While we're here, there's a work to be done. 
God is not through. This is the, this is the church's finest hour. This is what he's called us to do. This is where he's called us to be. This has just been continuing. The Lord's been reminding me, this is the time. This is what we've been trained for. This is what we've been called to do. This is our time. We can do this. Darkness will not overtake while we're here. Darkness will never drive out the light. I said, darkness will never drive out the light. Why? Because the light, you and I will never retreat. We're never going to pull back from our position of authority. If you're in Christ, if you're abiding in that, there is no retreat in you. There's no fear in you. There's no retreat in you. There's nothing but fight. There's nothing but stand your ground. There's nothing but rejoice in what, in what the Lord has promised us, right? We've got much to stand our ground for. In the realm of the spirit. Yes, in the natural, but in the realm of the spirit, there is much to stand our ground for. Let's pray together. Father, we are so very thankful for the truth of your word. We're so very grateful for the reality of what has happened, the reality of what has taken place in the new birth. Father, I am grateful. I am so very thankful for what you've done. It's not just catching religion. It's not just getting a new set of, of creeds or instructions or any of those things. It's not that at all. It's, it's a new life. It's a new nature. It's a, it's a new existence that we have in you. Father, I am thankful that you have given us your divine nature. You placed it on the inside of us. Father, I am thankful for that. And Lord, we want to recognize your presence. We want to recognize your, your abiding presence in us every day. We want to live a life where we are aware of that, where we are mindful of those things so that we can function, so that we can cooperate with that life that resides on the inside. Father, we're reminded that your word said, you said in your word, Jesus, you said that all authority has been given to you and the word to go there for. You said, whatever we bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth, we loosed in heaven. And so, Father, we take our place this morning as sons and daughters, as carriers of your nature, of carriers of your life on this earth, Father. We take our place as the very body of Christ. We take authority over every spiritual force that's in work in our country and in the world. Father, we take authority over those, over those spiritual forces, those forces of darkness. Father, we, we command them to cease and desist their operation in our lives in our families, in our communities. We speak life over this nation. We speak life over this world. We speak life over the church. Father, we speak life over the church, the body of Christ. Father, we speak life over the body of Christ in the name of Jesus. Father, I take authority over every lying spirit that has worked its way into your body, worked its way into your, into your body in the name of Jesus. We take authority over it in the name of Jesus. We command light, revelation, and truth to prevail in the name of Jesus. We ask for men, women who are anointed and called by God to speak the truth. To speak the truth, hallelujah, to speak the truth, even in the body of Christ, so that they can take their place. We loose wisdom, we loose revelation, we loose an understanding of these things in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that your will will be accomplished, hallelujah, your plan will go forth, hallelujah. Because you live in us, 
And we live in you. You're abiding in us. And we're abiding in you. Hallelujah. And we're taking our place, Father. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God lives in you. God lives in me. Hallelujah. God lives in you. God lives in me. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.